This is Cinema Architects, where three future architects design an awesome movie plot. Welcome to Cinema Architects, everybody. I'm Robbie. I'm Austin. And I'm Nate. <laughs> it's a duo. Yeah, it's a duo today. Duet. Austin is uh, uh, currently bleeding out and going comatose. That's right. He uh, was uh, snapped out of reality after the movie last night. That's right. Uh, he he started hemorrhaging blood from his brain because he was it was his mind was blown internally from watching uh, that Avengers movie. That's right. Well, it, was, it was a good time. I'm glad uh, glad we all were able to see it together. Yeah, um, it's a good time. I I agree. I totally agree. And I think we're we're all still kind of processing, processing, and yeah, just letting it all settle, dealing with the stages of grief, which is good. Because you know, I was also telling my buddy as we drove back, I was like, a lot of times I see these and I get so excited, and then like a week later I forget all about it, and I'm like, eh, like okay, like I guess that happened, the Avengers. Oh yeah, I guess that happened, didn't it? You know, this one I think is gonna sit a little while with me. I would say it's a cultural milestone. Yeah. In the same vein as the first Avengers movie. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. But we're not here to discuss the Avengers. That's that could right. Be a bonus podcast if you really wanted it to be. That's right. <laughs> Today, we're talking movies, specifically a brand new Western from the uh, life and mind of myself and Nate. <laughs> the life and mind. Yep. I've called <laughs> the, it. The life. Yes. Because from our <laughs> drawing from our own personal experience. Yes. Fighting back against the old frontier. That's right. I grew up in the 1800s, and I'm, I'm an old guy. I, I called it Western colon Endgame because, you know, that's all I can think about right now. So <laughs> feel free to, you know, tune out since this will just be a spoiler-filled uh, podcast laced with the fact that it's a Western, you know. Exactly. We're just going to be like, oh, yeah, Iron Man, who is a man who makes iron in the old West, you know, like, no. Um, he, yeah. He fires his spoiler beam. <laughs> that's Thanos. right. That's right. And everybody dies. Um, let's see. So I wanted to do a Western movie because it feels like it's been a while. It's been a long while since we've done a Western movie. And um, I was a good movie. Why not? Genre. Why not? Especially in the heaps of this cinematic CGI, you know, slugfest that was the Avengers. It's good to take a step back and let let it breathe with an old fashioned western movie that would probably require little to no special effects exactly whatsoever what are what are movies for except just sitting down having a talk with your pa and realizing the futility of their struggle against the universe and life itself that's right that's right so it's going to be a fun episode i think it will <laughs> i really do i i think um i was telling my buddy Robbie here um that i I want to do a Western that kind of goes against the typical norms of the genre wherein man versus the frontier, the wide expanse of the plains and valleys, you know, that befalls man and, and his, his manifest destiny to cultivate the land and, you know, build something out of nothing, the hard life and the struggles that come with this kind of lifestyle. Uh, I still think a lot of that would be very prevalent, but I think it's really interesting to change up the setting in a sense to where it's more of a coastal area where, you know, I talked to Robbie, maybe we, we shoot this, if this were a movie, we shoot this out in like uh, Washington, Seattle or whatever, you know, just kind of, I like those cliff town ideas in my head, you know, and there's probably, it's probably more difficult actually to cultivate that from nothing than it is a wide open expanse of flat land. Right. Um, and I was just thinking right now, actually, alternatively, we just do a beach western. 
<laughs> we just take it to the beaches of Hawaii. Let's go Western now. Everybody's learning. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Surfing cowboys. That could I. You know, I'd probably pay money to watch watch it once. Yippee ki yay and hang ten. That's right. <laughs> Yippee ki yay and hang ten. Get along that surfboard, little doggy. Oh shoot! Looks like the sheriff took out to the seas again. <laughs> Got his tan footer out. Oh of the my waves. god. And like the only outlaws have to like, you know, go against the sheriff in like surfing competitions. There's no <laughs> gunfights or anything. And they're all in swim trunks, but they're wearing cowboy hats and have huge mustaches. That's yes. the only otherwise like very modern looking swim trunks, you know. Fellers were robbing a freight line today. <laughs> Catch the right wave and we'll jump right on. Well, they kinda did do surfing cowboys if you watch Apocalypse Now. Charlie don't surf. You know that guy? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Oh my god. Now. Well, uh, you're gonna have to wait for Austin to do this one with you. I'm out. No, Nate! I'm done! <laughs> okay, fine. You convinced me. Um, Once again, my cinema sins are laid to bed. <laughs> that's right. Correct yourself, sir. <laughs> you made time for one three hour movie, you can make time for another three hour movie. It's a three hour movie. It is because the Redux edition is the one that's most prevalent, and yeah, that's like pushing three hours cool great <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's quite three hours so it's probably actually shorter than avengers endgame but it's knocking on the door okay so but enough of that movie we're here to make a different movie um and yes. not a not a uh, hawaii western but like a pacific northwest that's right a, a pacific northwestern a pacific northwestern the far west as west as you can go edge of the map west no more geography no more land where the water Meets the dirt. Um, a cliff western. A cliffhanger. Catch us next week when we talk about <laughs> the rest of this episode. That's right. <laughs> um, no, but with, I, I, I wanted it to be something with a different setting, forcing us into a different scenario set that maybe will inspire a few newer ideas to come out of the genre. But the overall premise, I think, is one that's pretty tried and true of more of a, a, a Cain and Abel contemporary where you have these two brothers and they... Uh, they are just fundamentally different people and they, they end up causing a lot of trouble for each other. And eventually these emotions kind of reach a boiling point and it all blows up on the screen. And we find out that, you know, sometimes family members or your best friend make the best enemies as well because they just have this weird, deep-seated hatred towards each other for all sorts of little things, I'm sure. But um, I don't know. Just for the sake of clarity, two brothers, I decided to name one of them Mark. The other one, Jackson, just so we're not being like the older brother or the younger brother. That's good. Get the names out of the way. Right? I don't know. It, it helps me identify a little bit with the characters. But I feel like Mark is the oldest of the two, and he's probably the one who's got, quote unquote, the brains of the family. Or maybe not necessarily the brains, but, you know, as the older brother recognized the um, responsibility that he has to be like, look, my dad is this aged guy. I need to go out there and make something of my life. So that I can come back and help provide for everybody else. Okay. In a sense. Right. I th think we're kind of on the same track here. Yes. Because I'm thinking Jackson's a younger one. Correct. I think Jackson is the one who has kind of had like, you know, if, if, if Mark is kind of out there initially trying to like make something for himself and experiment a little, mm -hmm. Jackson is like more reverent of his dad. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do what he says and he's got the wise thing to say and I'll hold down the homestead because we're both loggers and oh, yeah. we live out here uh, 
kind of in the middle of nowhere. I like that. I like that they're maybe not even farmers, but they're loggers or something a little different. Yeah. I, I think, like that. I think given the setting and like it, it makes a lot of sense and provides uh, some more fun, different sure. opportunities sure. for loggers. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, and Jackson probably believes in, you know, the integrity of good, honest, hard labor, you know? Right. Whereas, like, this is how it's done. This is what, you know, this is, quote-unquote, the manifest destiny. Cultivate the land and, you know, bend nature to your will. You know, impose new buildings and new structures and make everything yours, you know, in, in the frontier that is nothing. Mm. Man, what a white American movie we're making. Oh, it really is. But, I mean... <laughs> Is there a Western that isn't a white American movie? Good point. Can you do that? I don't know if you can do it without those synonymous points. I mean, historically, that's that's just what it was. Right. I don't know of any other scenario where you change that up. I suppose if you wanted to, and I don't think we'd be in a position to make it, but you could do it from the perspective of like a native group or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you, you certainly could. Uh, you wouldn't want to make it like some of the John Wayne Westerns where it's like, here come the Indians, you know, like. Fire up at a couple of Redskins. That's program. that's right. Uh, oh, the Washington football team is here. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's just something. Yeah, it would it would take a little bit more finesse to contend with that. But as it stands, yeah, these two brothers. Um, I pictured the father being someone who served in the Civil War. Okay. So he has a little bit of reputation to him, which is something I think that Mark kind of recognizes. Is that like you know he he made himself something better. But I think he's suffering from dementia right now. Oh, okay. And so that's another driving force for both of the characters. For one, it drives him to, I have to get out of here soon, and I have to make myself into this very soon so I can come back and provide. And I think it pushes Jackson to be like, I need to stay here, and I need to take care of him right now, you know? Right. And and they both then develop very strong and different, different ideological conditions for themselves. Sure. I, you know, I had pictured they had a dad that left them stuff, but I he wasn't alive in my version of the screenplay. Oh, sure. But I like this better. Sure. Because I think it gives him kind of a good anchor point to come back to, um, the both of them. In mine, in mine, I figured the mother was dead. Right, yeah. And I, I think... pictured it was, or maybe not dead. You could do it where the mother either left, we could leave it just kind of open up, ended and mysterious, where she like just wasn't a great person or whatever. Uh-huh. And then you can deal with the consequences of that from the perspective of these characters. Or you can add on more animosity and say, she died in childbirth giving birth to Jackson. So it's like, you were born and we lost mom because you were born. Right. Which, you know, adds another level of friction. Yeah, I don't know what's more fun. To have that level of friction between the brothers because of that? Or to create just this... This, make this mom just an awful person. Yeah. And have her show up. And a mysteriously time. awful person to where, like, she's obviously not a presence in their lives, but, you know, they just have little bits of exposition and throwaway dialogue where it's like, yeah, like, you know, not like mom or whatever. It's too bad she did this or too bad she didn't do that. Like, oh, she could have been here. Well, would you want her to be? You know? Right. So I, I find that really interesting, too. Um, but anyways, I figured uh, it would be a story of Mark... Being an architect. Oh? Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's a job you could have done in that time. It would have been reputable and, you know, more money than probably a logger. So. Okay. Yeah. So that's where he wants to be? 
that is what he wants to be. No, I don't know. I, he could. Oh, did you have any he, ideas? I did. In my mind, he was... Now, this might be the wrong coast, but he was going to go work for like a Pinkerton type thing. Oh, okay. You know, where it's like, I got to do something and these guys are offering good money. Good money, so, which they would. Yes. I liked the idea of him being the pencil pusher and the desk guy because then in a sense when they do have to get into physical altercations, you know, you have a feeling that Jackson is going to cream Mark because, oh. you know, he's working the land every day. He's moving his muscles. He's got to do stuff. He's got you know? moving the muscles. You know, but it takes a lot of effort to move that pencil across the line, you know, and like nothing, oh, okay. nothing crazy like that. Um, but yeah, so I would assume that there's animosity, dad suffering from dementia, Mark goes out into, you know, the neighboring larger city, a little further away from the kind of country-ish residence that they're in, a bigger city at least. Where would they be the biggest city in that geographical area at that time? Maybe he goes real far south to like San Francisco or something. Wow, okay. Real far south. Well, when was, was Seattle a thing? Was Seattle I mean, I'm sure like the area was a thing. Maybe it wasn't called Seattle. <laughs> I don't know. I'd picture, and that's the thing, I never did my research on it, but let's just say, because most of you aren't going to do your research either, that it's going to be, yeah, just a small settlement at the time. Right. Cause that, if he, that was as far as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like, as, you know, as big as one of those, like, typical Western downtowns with the big wide street and the yeah. saloon storefronts and stuff. Yeah. But, but then off in the distance, coastline, and, you know, just open sea and lots of fog we get a lot of fog uh, scenes yeah. get a lot of rain some storms you know all good things for the subtext of the story uh yeah and i just when I, it's raining he's sad that's right <laughs> it's just like men in black too um god so dumb anyway <laughs> anyway uh yeah that was on when i was on the treadmill um that's funny i think mark would come back from working in san francisco after about five-ish years he's now a big enough of a name where he's reputable, where he feels he can start his own practice in uh, the area that will someday be known as Seattle. Uh, <laughs> whether or not it is Seattle at this point or not, I don't know. But. Or Pseudo-Portland. Yeah, there you go. Pseudo-Portland. Um, you know, and he comes back and I think, you know, Jackson's probably like, you know, what are you doing here? Like, you left. You know, we don't really need you in a sense. But he right. probably doesn't say it explicitly. He probably like, oh, good to see you. You just passing through, visiting, you know, and it's like, no, I was hoping to, you know, help out with the farm and what, well, help out with dad and whatnot, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, you're going to do that now. Okay. Sure. You know, nice jacket. Where'd you get it? Oh, you know, San Francisco. It's no big deal. Like, oh, it looks, looks nice. Yeah. It was, you know, it was, it was a gift. It was, it was a very nice gift, very nice clothing outfitter out there. Actually, he's like, oh yeah, I guess, guess I wouldn't know anything about that, you know? Ooh. You know, it's Spicy. just a little bit of that, just shade, just a lot of shade thrown back and forth at each other. Right. I like, I like when characters say something, but you can tell that they totally mean something else. Right. Where if I were to be like, "Hey, Robbie, it's it's a cool, it's a cool sweatshirt," or if I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, cool, cool sweatshirt, Robbie, I like it." Uh, thanks, thanks. Different, different, different <laughs> subtext, you know. And it's like you know that I'm giving myself away, but yet I'm still veining through my fake polite demeanor. Right. Um, and then, as an audience member, hopefully that builds enough tension to where you're wondering, is this going to come to a head 
if so, when, and what will be that kind of linchpin that sets off the powder keg. Right. Um, so you still got dad sitting on that hay mattress over there. I, I picture him being someone who's very much house ridden, maybe not bed ridden, but house ridden. Uh-huh. And I feel like his kind of mental stability kind of comes and goes in waves where there sure. are times where he's just like, oh, like, yeah, like go round up that. And then there'll be 20 bushels back there in the back end of the barn. Like you always forget it's over there. But like, trust me, I've stacked it higher over there, you know, and other times where he's just like, have you seen Margaret? Like, dad, mom, mom left. Like, she's a drunk. We haven't seen her for years. Sure. Like, no, she was here yesterday, you idiot. Like, don't you think I know my own wife? And it's like, oh, you know, that I feel is a is a fun dynamic. And one that I think that is hard for Jackson to contend with because he's always there and he's always through it thick and thin. And I think he's respectful enough of his dad that he probably doesn't correct him a lot when his dad is wrong. Uh-huh. Where Mark is instantly like, no, like, we don't have a basement, dad. There's never been a cellar in this house, you know, because right. maybe he's remembering something different. We, we've always lived here in this house. Dad. Yeah. I don't know what it was like back in... In your childhood home or whatever, yeah. but there's no cellar here, Dad. There never has been one, you know, and trying to, to contend with it that way, whereas Jackson's like, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll go get that, you know, and walks out to, like, the kitchen around the corner and, like, rolls his eyes for a second and patiently waits two seconds, like, yep, I just checked and uh, this is the last can of meat from the cellar, you know, like, oh, thank you, you know, and that's the end of it. Oh, uh, yeah. To where it's like, you know, the white lie isn't going to hurt the old man because, you know, he brought us up well and he loves and respects us and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, but I think Mark... Think this is like the first major point of conflict then? like they, Probably, just their difference in opinion and, and like, why are you doing this? Like, you're, you're feeling, you're making it worse. He's confused. Can't you see the old man's confused? Like, why do you keep, you know, fulfilling his lies? He's not going to get any better that way. Like, well, do you know he's going to get better anyways? You know... Right. So that you just you keep building these things, and it keeps on kind of hitting home with these characters, and and nobody's happy. Um, yeah, and I, maybe maybe uh, Mark comes back with some like fangled I- new fangled idea or something. He's like b- building uh, like a shed or something. And he's yeah. Like, well, what are you what are you doing that for? And he's like, well, I thought, you know, I. I got some training back there in, in pseudo Portland and pseudo Portland. <laughs> and, back uh, in the pseudo Portland. <laughs> And I thought I thought you know we could use an addition. And it's like we've never needed that before. I don't know why we you think yeah. that we need it now. We've been doing fine. Or here's a better doing- one. Like where are we gonna get the money for this? Dad, dad isn't. I I can barely keep dad afloat. And he's just like, oh, don't worry, I've got it covered. Oh, oh, sure. Well, am I paying you back for this? Like, no, it's fine. It's a gift. Like, oh, okay, you know, and just uh, yeah. I'm gonna go out and get the rest of the logs set up, you know, and what logs, and just walks out like just doesn't want anything to do with it, you know. Right. Um, and then, yeah, probably a little bit of like, it's, it's extraneous. We don't need it. Like we've already got enough storage for these logs. Like I can stack them higher. I've been doing it for years. Like, you know, it, I'm strong. I can do that. I don't need the extra space. It's, it works. Um, and then maybe, uh, Mark is staying with them for a little while before he, he's probably getting his office and his things set up in pseudo Portland. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I want there to be a storm. Of some sort where the farm is in disarray and they wake up in the middle of the night to the like log farm. thunder and like, well, I'd imagine they do mostly logging, but they probably have to do like a little bit of farming on their own just oh, for their own food. Farming. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure it's something they also kind of have their fingers in, but not to the effect of this is our livelihood. You will do 40 acres of, of beans and right. 40 acres of corn and 10 head of cattle, blah, blah, blah. I'd imagine their major export is is logs and whatnot. But in that area, like... 
everybody kind of has to be a little bit of a small farmer. Um, so in that effect, I wanted something to, to happen and then they both wake up and they go try to deal with it. And it's, you know, they're pushing against the wind. They're trying to get the, the doors shut on the barn or whatever. Maybe they have a few hogs or something. And I wanted it to be shown that uh, uncharacteristic of what an audience member would probably think, Mark actually can hold his own very well on the farm. Okay. To where, like, maybe the wind knocks Jackson over and the door, because the door flings open and smacks into Jackson, and then Mark rushes up there to grab it and with, like, just enough brute strength can get the door shut and latched, even though Jackson couldn't. And Jackson is the one who's been on the farm doing this for years and years and years. Uh, Suddenly your older brother comes in and, I mean, doesn't outstage you, but like just proves that like, like, yeah, I push pencils, but like, this isn't that hard, buddy. Get up. Uh, you know, it just, again, keep pushing, pushing them at each other, but don't let it pop yet. So I like, and then the storm is very good because it's, you know, subjectively it symbolizes the storm raging within the characters and blah, blah, blah. And when it's raining out, you know they're real sad. <laughs> it rains when you cry, baby. Man in black, too. God. Okay. Um. So I want that to happen. What do you think the linchpin of this whole final, that is it, I've had enough linchpin, explosion of blah, blah, blah. Wow, I've said linchpin a lot. Um, do you the think linchpin the, of the linchpin. Do you think the dad dies? I was th- yeah. I think at some point I've thought from the beginning that the dad is going to have to. Or does the mom come back and fuck everything up somehow? I hadn't thought of that. Does she come back and uncharacteristically she has her shit figured out, and then she's like, "I'm going to go take care of him. You two have done it enough. Thank you for, you know, I I know I wasn't there and I know I've been a shitty person, but I've got this now. You know." And she's going to take him. And now without, quote unquote, the parental figure in their lives, because right. both of these people are now going to go somewhere else. And the anchor point's gone. The anchor point is gone. The, re- the reason for both of their life decisions has vanished. Yeah. And it's just, I think, it's just the two different ideals now. I think they attempt to carry on for a few days. For maybe a few right? days. And it and, just gets real awkward. Yeah. And, and like, you know... Marcus, Mark is helping out and he's doing like he's he's continuing that thing that he proved earlier. Like he's pretty much holding up what Jackson could as well. Yeah, he's probably like doing both. He's he's probably doing as much as he can with the architectural thing in pseudo Portland and uh, helping out on the farm. Um, I feel like at some point. Jackson has to do something that's going to spur all of this. I feel like there's going to reach a point. Where, like, Mark goes back to his office and it's, like, destroyed or something. Something happens. And we maybe we don't make it clear that it was definitely Jackson, but we allude to that fact. But the implication is enough for Mark. He's like, I know exactly what fucker did this and I'm going to go have a word with him. And right. that is what starts off I think the third act of everything is in shambles. I think perhaps that... Now, maybe this is making the plot too convoluted, but... Um, they've been having like these little spats or whatever, yeah. Mark and Jackson. And uh, at some point, maybe Jackson's like, "What would happen if your office just wasn't there anymore? Then where? Then where would you go when you didn't want to be here?" And yeah. Then, uh, he would go to his office, and it was trashed or whatever. But what we don't know, or but what he doesn't know, and that what we've seen earlier is that like 
the mom needed like some money or something. Oh no, I like that to where like you you set it up to where the mom comes in as this angelic figure who's who's like figured everything out, and we tell the audience, but we don't tell the characters that no, just kidding, she's still a piece of shit, but she yeah. took the dad anyway. Yeah, and that's it. We don't know what happens to her or the dad. We just leave it at that. She is this awful storm that comes through, ruins everything, and then leaves. Has no other bearing on the plot. She doesn't. She doesn't have to answer for what you just said. She ruins the, the office because at that point, it's too late. The two people's minds are set. The pin has been pulled. Uh-huh. And, the, and the third act is just this series of, this is where you get the action. This is where you probably get gunfights, yep. chases through the woods, horseback, like, you know, the heavy, every bit of it. Yeah. And I, I had Plenty one. Of- <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just. <laughs> and then you hear like gunshot off in the distance and a ricochet right next to him on the tree and just like, oh my God, you know, like, you know, just loading the gun, you know, tensely in the in the night or whatever and yeah. like footsteps and all oh, like that's, that's the stuff I wanted, honestly. Yeah. And um, one scene I had that would probably, once he goes back to the office and finds it's trashed, he probably goes out to one of the neighbors because the neighbors are doing like some farm work. Um, and I'm sure Jackson probably helps out with lots of people because as much money as you, you, odd jobs, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he's helping with, I had this in my mind. This was like the whole picture I had when I came up with this idea is like, I want to see this was there's an old 1900s thresher. And for people who don't know what that is, it's something where you throw your, your, um, your hay into the thresher, your freshly cut hay, and it kind of separates it with these large comb like teeth and threshes it so that it's not just a big bundle of hay, so to speak. And it, and it can dry out easier that way. So when oh. you store it, it's a lot nicer. But the way it's run is it's this big, like, massive wagon cart of a thing, but it's all steel and industrial looking because it is a product of the Industrial Revolution. And it's got a big belt that has to run all the way across the yard onto, like, a, a tractor you would drive out on in sight, and then you would, you know, it would power that um, belt because okay. the thresher itself had no means of power you'd have to drive a tractor out there to then also power the thresher. Oh, okay. So this long belt, like you could have the camera follow the long belt going from the tractor all the way over to the thresher, you know, and the thresher's ka-choom, 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 ka-choom. Like the, rhythm, the rhythmic of the comb or whatever. And he gets back, and there's maybe like three or four people like just throwing hay in there, and one of them is Jackson, and Mark gets over there, and he's like, you son of a bitch, and just picks him up and throws him up against the corn thresher, and he's like, Almost goes into the corn thresher and they're just like punching each other. Ka-choom, ka-choom. He's getting closer to the, the, the you know, the, the tines. Ka-choom, ka-choom. You know, and like maybe even part of it like snags at his clothes or whatever. But then he just fucking decks Mark as hard as he can across the face. You know, and all the other guys are just like, you know, knock it off or whatever. And that's, that's, that's the moment where it's too late. We're about to go into the third act of, you know, gunfights and, you know, the whole unholy Western that we've set up of. Man versus man. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he would get necessarily super injured. You could, but not injured to the point where he's still going to come after Mark and Mark is going to go after Jackson. Right. No, that's, um, a, that's a good it's like stepping off point for that. Film. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So how, how does it conclude that? How does how it do conclude? We, yeah. Um, a series of larger and larger spats, and eventually I think Jackson has friends in that town, because Jackson's a townie, he's never left, so he can get a posse together really quick. Um, and then it kind of becomes Mark versus Jackson, and Jackson has this whole posse, and Mark is the outsider of this town. So he is, 
trying to stay one step ahead of he is trying to stay one step ahead of Jackson, even though Mark is, quote unquote, the educated one and should be able to easily, you know, kind of come to the adult conclusion of how to get through this, uh-huh. you know. But he's he's struggling and he has no connections in this town that he left. So it leads to all these fights, probably members of the posse slowly get picked off in some gunfights and, and whatnot. Um, I pictured maybe, you know, Jackson has a girl. No, not Jackson. Mark has a girl that he probably knew in the pseudo town or whatever, and then he left and he came back, and they've kind of been a fling in in the off scenes from sure, yeah. from whatnot, like it, the we're, B plot. retconning. Uh, this is our your B plot, and you know, and maybe Jackson knows that and takes advantage of that situation. Maybe he holds her hostage. Maybe he kills her. Maybe he just threatens her. Like she's maybe at like a store and she's like looking at a wedding dress, and we just cut outside and like you just see him right in, you know, chewing on some piece of weed or whatever, and just like right in next to the the window and just just stares in there chewing on the piece of wheat and she's like the heck is wrong jackson or whatever and like you know two guys come in there and grab her or whatever and you know you could set up to where like he's just going to be a real piece of shit because he's just like why do you get everything like you get this girl even though i stayed here you come back after five years and she wants you just like that you know Hmm. It, it just it bothers him every bit of it just irritates the shit out of him why should he have anything that i don't you know I've been here. I've put in the work. And so eventually, though, fast forward through all the fun stuff of the third act, of because that's just a bunch of action scenes of horse chases and the tension of this this girl. A bunch of fun yeehaw stuff. I think he it eventually would lead to him killing the girl as well. Oh. I, I don't know when, but I'm sure it's near the end where, like, I, I think at this point, Mark has finally um, gotten rid of enough of the posse members and gotten enough of an upper hand on the situation, you know lured Jackson out to this area and, you know, picked them all off or whatever, one by one. And, you know, it's just Jackson and Mark. He's just like, well, what do you want me to do now? Blah, blah, blah. What are we going to do about this? And um, Jackson probably says that, you know, goes through like, you know, I loved her, blah, blah, blah. Like no one would ever know it because no one ever asks me. You know, I've only been here for X amount of years, but no, you, you had the birthright to everything. You know, like don't do anything stupid or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, like, probably more dialogue and more meaningful build up to it, but kills the girl. And then I think at that point, Mark is just distraught and just runs towards the lifeless body of this girl. Uh, and then Jackson just kind of realizing all of a sudden, oh my God, like, what have we done? This this went a lot further than any of us wanted to. Like, I hate him, but he is my brother. But I think at that point, he recognizes that he's got to get out of there. And so he just takes off running. And at this point, we're near the coast because we've been shifting geographically. We're getting further and further and further and further to the very edge of the coast. Um, where there's cliffs. Where there's cliffs and things. Right. But maybe we're not necessarily on a cliff. You, you you could do part of it on a cliff if you wanted. But like I had this other scene in my brain where it's just like you're on a sandy beach and you see this old rickety rowboat, you know, and you just see Jackson just kind of back leaned up against it. Looks like he thought about taking it and going somewhere, but, you know, didn't or whatever. And and Mark just slowly walking up to him because, you know, he kind of visually you can see like Jackson has kind of given up and like doesn't know what else to do at this point. He's like, yeah, like chase me to the edge of the map. Like, I don't know what to do anymore. You know, thought about taking this boat, but, you know, I don't know where I'm going. You know, and it just cuts to like the sea rolling in and out, uh-huh. you know. 
and they're sitting there and they're just like talking with each other, probably politely and actually earnestly for the first time in this whole movie. Right. And it's like, I'm so sorry or whatever. Like, I know, you know, and I still hate you. And he's just like, I know, you know, and, and then they hug and then it cuts to black. No, <laughs> no. Then I, then I think, um, they get into one last real up close and personal, just manhandling, choking each other and like punching and whatnot. Um, and then, yeah, one of them has to die. But who? Is it Mark or is it Jackson? Right in. Oh, right in. It's a right in campaign. Is Robin going to die next week in our Batman story? Um, I think we kill Mark. Because I think it's more challenging for an audience to accept that Jackson is the only one who lived. So I think we kill Mark. And I think Mark, as the older brother, finds it much easier to forgive in his last couple moments or right. something. Um, but I think it's where, like, maybe they're choking each other or whatever. Mar okay, I've got it. Mark is on top of Jackson because he punched him in the face and started choking him. And... His muscles are all tensed up in rage, but like his face almost weirdly is devoid of emotion. Like he he's not enjoying doing oh, this. Yeah, it's just blank and, and he's just like, I have to I have to kill you now. I, I have so to kill much. you, but I don't want to I I never wanted to do this. This was never my intention. Yeah. And Jackson just kind of slightly struggling, but in a weird way, like in the nuance of the performance that he's gonna give because he's a great actor. You can kind <laughs> yes. of tell, like, I deserve this. So I'm gonna let this happen, even though no human creature is gonna just like just choke me and I won't struggle at all, but maybe like not struggling as much, like his hands are slapping away at, at the hands around his neck, but uh -huh. not much. But then something weird happens because there was all that fight before when the girl died or whatever. All of a sudden, Mark's grip like loosens and he just kind of like slumps over a little bit. And we see that during that altercation, he was actually fatally shot in the chest oh, and we didn't see it. Go. And, you know, he's just like heavily breathing and just coughing a little bit of blood or whatnot, you know. And I think at this point, Jackson's like, oh, my God, like, oh, my God. Oh, okay. I, there's a horse. We, we, you know, and like starts. We gotta get you to the next thing. And I think Mark just kind of shakes his head quietly and just kind of puts his hand out on Jackson. You know, like no, like there's no, there's no running from this. You know, uh, he's like just stay and let's just watch the ocean for a little while or something. You know, and you just get the ocean coming in and out, and he dies. You know, sit, they're both sitting up against that boat. You know, just watching the ocean come in and out, kind of in silence, where they're both content with each other. Finally. In silence. Like, they don't have to say a word. Yep. They get what each other's lives are at this point. But, like, you know, he's just going to go out quietly. He's not going to say anything. Um, I think that's good. I think that's and that's, that's how it ends. That's how it ends. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's see who's going to play these, these magnificent that's characters right. that we've crafted. That's right. Cue the music. back we and, are uh, uh we're gonna hit up real quick these excellent excellent <laughs> pedigree i want to know who yours are because i i gave you very little time this this morning but i had mine picked out probably weeks ago so <laughs> okay we'll uh we'll see what okay. this happens I, I will start it off yes um, please do i cast both jackson the younger brother correct and uh uh well we didn't name her but uh the dad's wife the the nasty person that ransacks the office right? yep yep for jackson i cast joseph gordon levitt i like that 
Okay, and that's I think that's going to pair pretty freaking well with what I had. That's yeah. perfect. I think and good because I was like, he's got to be younger than the guy I cast, which that's perfect. Michael perfect. Kane. You cast Michael Michael Kane. Kane is the older brother. Oh, my younger brother. <laughs> oh, my God. I guess. Um, and and for the mom, I cast, you guessed it, Lena Headey. Interesting. Who Interesting. you might also know as Cersei Lannister. Huh. Or the wife from 300. Huh. Huh. All right. It's a like it's a bit of a dead giveaway. No, but... no. Here, here's my casting. As the older brother, Mark, I always had in mind Nikolai Coster Waldo. Whoa, okay. As Jamie Lannister. I oh. always had that in mind. I was like, God, I'd love to see him in a Western. I feel like he's just got the build, you know, like I could see him with a cowboy suit on. Okay, so Lena's going to need some makeup. <laughs> what? No, that's fine. I like that because it's going to play with audience expectation. Yeah, yeah. That's good. And that's it, really cool that that happens. Yeah, yeah. And then it makes more sense as to why she's such a shitty person because you're like, she's probably a little bit of a gold digger in a sense. Because mm, yep. the dad, I envisioned being the much older. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to call it in my head. Go ahead. Not from Game of Thrones. Nope. Gene Hackman. Oh, okay. I thought you were just going to make a fucking wild card uh, uh, fucking pull uh, with Robert Redford or something. Oh, no, no, no. He would be good. I want a legacy actor, someone who's done Westerns in the past for that role, because I, th- I think it makes sense from a passing of the torch. I, I don't know. I, I like those connections. Like if it would have been Clint Eastwood or Gene Hackman oh, sure. or uh, uh, Robert Redford. Those would have all been perfect picks. Gotcha. But yeah, I just happened to go Gene Hackman. Well, we picked some good shit today. I, I liked it. I Personally, I really liked it. This was, this was a pretty decent episode. Yeah. We should duet more often. We should. We got a good chemistry. We, we do. Why do we need that third dude? Yeah, who is, what was his name again? <laughs> who cares? Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts or wherever, wherever you happen to catch this program. Because uh, you know what? It's a good one, and we could use the reviews. Yeah, please shoot us out into the in the skies with your words of praise, or even uh, hatred. Just mm. anything out there. Any- shoot us any communication, too. That's at, right. At uh, Instagram and Gmail at Cinemarks. Not Karl Marx. That's Cinema, R-C-H-S. Uh, and all of our music, as always, comes from Nike Schneid. Nike Schneid! You can find his stuff at SoundCloud.com slash Nike Schneid. Nike Schneid! It's a good jingle. Thank you. I, th- I think it was good. You didn't have to even edit it in. No. Just, uh, Making my job easier. A sousant of, uh, of more taste for this wonderful podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, until next time, for Cinema Architects, I'm Robbie. I'm not Austin. And I'm not Nate. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Woo! Bye! <laughs> Thank you.